Hi there, welcome to Mosaic Intercultural Church, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I'm the Executive Director and Pastor of Mosaic, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Mosaic, you can find us online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Friends, I am excited tonight. I'm excited tonight to um, welcome Caitlin and Taffy, who are going to be bringing the message. Uh, if you would pray with me, uh, we will pray for them, and then uh, we will get to hear what they have been preparing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the work that the community development group has been doing for the last year and a half. We thank you for your servants, Caitlin and Taffy. We pray that you would pour out your spirit on them right now in the name of Jesus, that they would experience your unction, your power, your joy. And that, Lord God, you would make space in our hearts to receive what you want to offer us and call us to through them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Caitlin, take it away. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Caitlin. And um, tonight, Taffy and I are going to be sharing a bit of the teaching time um, to talk a bit about what it means to be longing for communal flourishing. So I don't know um, who has the slideshow, but if you could go to the next page. Perfect. Oh, a bunch of stuff's not showing up. That's fine. Okay, so <laughs> we'll just leave it there. So this is actually a picture of our neighborhood. Um, yeah, I don't know. The slides might not have come through properly on your end, Mercy. Um, we'll just run with it. It'll be okay. <laughs> um, so about, well, I guess over a year ago now, um, a group of us, um, which grew to be Marcy, Taffy, Abby, Moses, Johnny, Pat, and myself, have been um, looking at this little slice of neighborhood here that you can see um, highlighted in red. And if you know London, um, that area is called the Carling Thames neighborhood. And uh, we have been considering what it looks, what it means um, to look for God's kingdom coming in the Northeast London. So we spent a year praying, talking about scriptures, reading all different things together. And um, at the end of that year, we came up with some indicators of what we thought it would look like for God's kingdom to come in this neighborhood. So let's maybe go to the next slide. We'll see if this one shows up okay. Okay, yeah, that's better. <laughs> so some of you might be familiar with this uh, picture. We did make some cards, uh, I think at the end of August, early September last year for people to take home. And we basically... Um, basically came up with these four different indicators of what it looks like when uh, we see God's kingdom come in a neighborhood. So really briefly, we have physical rootedness, communal flourishing, individual wholeness, and relational belonging. So um, we, we kind of made these as a way of understanding what it looks like when we see Jesus' kingdom coming and what we can work towards and what we can expect as a church. So if you go to the next image, back in... Uh, I guess it was March, uh, Marcy spoke about uh, the topic of physical rootedness. So she spoke about how God made us and our physical world and how we're meant to fully embrace our physical existence. So physical rootedness, really short explanation is when a community appreciates 
and fully lives in the physical world. So that means caring for and seeking to understand their bodies in the biological environment, stewarding and taking care of infrastructure, honoring the history of a space. Marcy challenged the church to take time to cultivate physical rootedness by taking time to be aware of our physical environment. So many of us on the prayer chat shared pictures and reflections about things that we were seeing in our neighborhood and when we were outside and experiencing God's creation. At the end of March, a bunch of us, you might remember, took some time on a windy, wet day to uh, clean up in our neighborhood where we got to work on caring for Northeast London and enjoying being physically rooted in the Northeast. And it was a really great time of joy. So you can see some great pictures there of the group that um, I was a part of. We got to clean up in Kips. It was a really fun time. So today, if you go to the next slide, we're gonna talk about communal flourishing. So this is our next indicator of those four indicators that we put together. And basically what we mean by communal flourishing is when um, within a community, all people are able to contribute in meaningful ways that transcend stereotypes and are valued by the community. So people with social or financial capital are generous and look to build others up in the community so that everybody can participate. And institutions that cause systemic injustice are dismantled and replaced with equitable alternatives. So there's a lot of scripture that points um, us to this as an intention for God's people and what it looks like in his kingdom. So really briefly, um, if you're familiar with Isaiah 65, which is a passage we kept coming back to, it talks about the wolf and the lamb lying down together. And we can think of how those two animals wouldn't normally live in harmony and at peace with one another. And it's the same when God's kingdoms come. People that wouldn't normally live in peace together are able to live in peace. Um, it's a picture for us of the powerful and the weak existing in harmony. There's the, pic the story of um, that Jesus gives us of the Good Samaritan, where we learn that we are responsible for one another, regardless of whether we identify with each other. And tonight, Taffy is going to use pa the passages we read from Acts earlier to give us a better idea of what communal flourishing looks like. So I'm going to pass it over to Taffy and bless her to teach. Thank you, Caitlin, and uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Taffy, and um, just very quickly, I'm going to read um, the two scriptures again, just so that we're um, just so that uh, we have an idea of exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, so the first reading was from Acts chapter four, thirty-one to thirty-seven. Um, after this prayer, the uh, the meeting. The meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There, was no, there were no needy people among them because no one owned land uh, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Um, for instance, there was Joseph, uh, the one that the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the land of from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. And then Acts uh, chapter six, one to seven. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. I think there's um, a part that we actually skipped. You, um, 
I don't think that's the full one, but you can look it up. There we go. Oh, back a little bit. Okay. Uh, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and uh, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Amen. Um, so before I delve a little bit more into those scriptures, I just kind of want to um, uh, talk a little bit, uh, give a little bit of context as to the events that were happening before that led up to um, the events that we read about in uh, Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 32. So Starting in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4, um, Peter and John, who are two uh, apostles, are released by the chief priests and elders after being arrested and tried for preaching in the name of Jesus. Peter and John go back to their people and tell them what happened. And then the people, in verse 24, raise their voices together in prayer to God. Some really powerful things begin to happen that ignite the events that we just read about from verse 32 onwards. Um, in their prayer, the people begin by acknowledging God's power and the power of the Holy Spirit who spoke through King David. So they pray, so, uh, Sovereign Lord, they say, uh, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant and our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So they lamented using the prayer that David prayed by the power of the Holy Spirit. They continue to acknowledge God's power by recalling the things that he did and the things that he willed. They knew, um, and that's something that we must remember too, that God is a God of covenant. He is a treaty God. Um, so just like Dada shared uh, this evening with uh, in her testimony of how she had lost her job, but she had faith in God's provision, and she remembered that. Um, and it's true um, that we can go to him for everything, uh, and just based off of the things that he's already done for us, right? So uh, they're saying, right, you are the same God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea, and your Holy Spirit spoke through David. Now we need you for another situation. Uh, so God, you did these things before uh, because you're powerful and almighty. Now we need you for this. And could you do this thing? And so they expressed their longing with, with boldness. 
Um, and this is what they wanted God to do. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then the response from God is very powerful. This is when we start to go into all the events that happened uh, in the, um, the, the word that we just read. It says in Acts 4, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Then more incredible things began to happen as a result of the faith that that community had and the lament and longing that they expressed in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like we read in chapter four, um, people just gave their possessions. It says everyone was of one mind and no one claimed their belongings as their own. What would happen, right? This is a question that I have uh, for the church. What would happen if we allowed the Holy Spirit to take over our hearts and our minds in that manner? They just let the Holy Spirit dictate and amazing things happened for that community. It says that God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that no one was needy. It is so important to note that it is God's grace that is at work the whole time. God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit. He is the one doing this through the community of believers. And it never stopped. It says the giving never stopped. In fact, it says from time to time, people will people would sell their land and their houses. And then that money would be given to anyone in need. And then the guy named Barnabas sold a field and gave all the money to the apostles. And that sounds like something worth celebrating. And sounds like they experienced joy enough to continue that giving. So we go from this incredible outpouring um, of the spirit and all of this giving um, to then tension between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews in chapter six. So just to give some context of the, the two groups, um, the Hellenistic Jews are Jews who practiced both Greek culture and Jewish culture. Uh, they lived primarily in the Greek speaking world. Hebraic Jews remained in uh, Judea and they spoke Hebrew and they were culturally Hebrew. But all the groups, they were both of the groups, they were, they were all Christians, right? So there's a rift because the Hellenistic widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food. And of course, this is happening um, pretty soon after that incredible spirit-filled event that we read about in chapter four. So as the church is growing, um, forces of division start to come into the come to start to enter in the church. So the enemy is working overtime. Thankfully, they come to a solution that pleases everyone. Um, the apostles ask the community to pick seven men from among them to be responsible for giving food to the widows. The community is the one that did the choosing of those seven men. So the apostles empowered that community that had been marginalized uh, with choosing what would benefit them, right? The community, the best. And that's important because uh, we have to trust that marginalized people uh, know what will benefit them, right? Um, and if we pay attention to the way that Jesus engaged with people, you'll see that people um, came to him and they told him what they needed. So the apostles could have dismissed the injustice that 
the, the community was bringing to their attention. They could have said that they were only concerned with the ministry of the word of God, but they didn't. The apostles were intentional in telling the people to choose men who were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, which is a gift of the spirit, because they saw those things as being important in the work of feeding the widows. That, that, that action that they, that, um, that request that they had that the um, men should be full of the spirit and wisdom, that intentionally, that intentionally demonstrates love and care that the apostles had for that community. So in the end, everyone is happy with that final decision. And then the apostles prayed for the seven men and laid hands on them. Again, everything is being done in the spirit. And it says that the word of God kept spreading so much that even the priests, um, and we talked about priests, right? The priests that had um, um, arrested John and uh, Peter, um, priests became obedient to the faith. So uh, what does this all mean for us in our context today? Oppression still exists and injustice still exists. We have painful things that we need to reconcile and concern ourselves within the body of Christ. The topic of injustice is not an easy thing for us to talk about as Christians. Yet it is often said that the most segregated of the uh, the most segregated day of the week in North America is Sunday, right? Um, there's a reason that we call ourselves mosaic, that we call mosaic, right? Our church, an intercultural church. It's not the norm. Um, segregation is real, even in the church. And the discomfort in addressing the injustice that God hates, right, is also real. There is a video that um, our friend and fellow CDC action teammate, um, Moses Latigo shared, um, where Soon Chan Ra talks about how we Christians actually have been given the language to talk about injustice so that we should be at the forefront of talking about it. We know that, right? We know for a fact that God hates injustice. Um, and Gloria Jones always reminds me of the song that we sing that goes, break my heart for what breaks yours, right? And we could all point to verses that prove that God hates injustice. Proverbs 17 verse 15 says, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Um, we could also name Amos chapter five, that whole verse, that whole chapter, sorry. Um, we could even go further than Soon Chan Ra and say that we have the weapons, right? We have weapons against injustice. As a society, we have grown to be skeptical and cynical about fighting injustice because racism, sexism, ableism, homophobia, and other isms and phobias, um, poverty, all of that, that's all ingrained and embedded in our society. And sometimes we don't see a way out of that. And I will admit for myself that. I find it impossible to get out of it, right? And I convince myself that there is no there is no end in sight. The burdens of structural injustice and the denial of human rights are extremely hard to bear. So where do we even begin? How easy it is, right, for us to sweep things under the rug and not think about them and not talk about them. And to be quite frank, we do that a lot in Canada. But we cannot ignore these things anymore. We cannot dismiss injustice. 
um, just like the apostles and the Hellenistic community in Acts 6, we have the Spirit. Just like them, we can rely on the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to bring equity. The Spirit provokes us to listen and to pay attention to injustice until there is a solution. Just like David, we can be a vessel for the Holy Spirit so that through us, he can do it. Uh, so how do these things, right? Lament, joy, and longing, what we talked about like um, earlier on in chapter four, um, how, um, how, do we, how do those things help us? And how do we reconcile these three things, right? Because the feeling is that we should compartmentalize the three. So my answer to that is that we can walk and chew gum at the same time. If we believe that what we have just read, right, um, it, about the outpouring of the spirit in chapter four, um, that they're able to call on the Lord and lament and bring their longings and give so joyously and so freely at the end, um, then we have got to believe that it is possible for us to lament, celebrate, and bring our longings to God and that God is going to answer. It is God's will for us to lament and have great joy and bring our longings to him. When we lament, God is faithful. When we experience joy, God is faithful. Uh, and God faithfully reconciles what we long for. We have just read that in the two chapters. It seems impossible, um, but we are actually in the season where we are celebrating the impossible, right? We're just, we're celebrating Jesus rising and conquering death. And we just celebrated justice in the trial of the officer who killed George Floyd. Now we all held a collective breath as we waited for a verdict because we believed that justice would not come, that it would be an impossibility um, as it has been for more than four centuries, right? They had to bring three counts against Chauvin in hopes that one would stick. That right there is a sign that the system is built to fail Black people. But something, right, something beyond that system was at work. Um, I read some online comments from Black brothers and sisters who felt that justice would not come, but they still held on to a glimmer of faith, not in the justice system itself, but in something bigger than that. And I believe that it was God's justice. So we praise the Lord for that. And we also bring our longing to him that his justice will prevail in the Breonna Taylor case. Right now, the Justice Department right, is uh, investigating the Louisville police force in their use of lethal force. Um, we also lament the ongoing violence against Black people, against Indigenous peoples, against Asian Americans and Canadians and the LGBTQ community, especially trans women of color. That verdict was a sign that when the things of God are at work, love for one another as an example, seeing someone as a person deserving of love rather than dehumanizing them by projecting fears and biases or stereotypes on them, we stand to defeat the enemy. As Christians, we can rejoice in the Holy Spirit. We can look at all the ways that God has been faithful and know that he is faithful and will continue to be faithful. So in this upcoming season of Pentecost, my invitation to you is um, I, I want I, I let us, right, as a church, invite the Holy Spirit to open us up to seeing what he sees and ask him to make us vessels of joy and lament. 
Let us ask him to show us how to sacrifice our time, our resources, our comfortability with joy, knowing that it is for his justice. Amen. Okay, uh, Caitlin, I uh, hand it over to you. So just like we discussed with the physical rootedness um, indicator, we as a community research group, action group, (laughs) um, would like to direct you guys and join you um, in engaging in spiritual practices related to communal flourishing as Taffy just sort of laid out. And when we look at our neighborhood, I mean, even tonight, um, there's a lot to long for here, right? There's a lot of um, things that we see that um, we know are not uh, communal flourishing. And so um, we want to engage in that and not be scared of it because the God that we worship, the God that we see in this passage, um, enables his people to meet things that seem impossible to overcome um, and grow. So, for example, um, in our neighborhood, we see one of the things we talked about a lot as a research group is that we always are seeing kids from our neighborhood getting stereotyped for being uh, Kipps Lane kids or bully kids, and that the way people treat them gives them a sense of having less potential than other kids. Or um, back about a year ago when they were, when London was doing the bus rapid transit thing, um, we saw the greed of affluent neighborhoods putting up signs saying, we don't want um, more transit in here because we don't want it to be noisy. We want a quiet, nice neighborhood. And so they were actually saying that the needs of people that don't have good um, transportation accessibility, people that have to bus, take multiple bus routes to get to a minimum wage job, but their lives and their in Uh, their difficulties don't matter. Um, And so we see those things and it feels like, God, how can we, how how can we even engage with these kinds of things? But we see this really beautiful um, standard kind of laid out by the disciples in this passage where they are, they do bring their lament when they see the things that are broken. They pray for boldness. They celebrate the things God has done and, um, and they present their longings to him and he does amazing things with it. They, they grow in numbers, they share in joy. They, um, they're able to work through these cultural uh, frictions within their community in ways that they never expected to be able to. So, and when we look at our neighborhood, there are things too here to celebrate, right? We, um, we see Norman Donna just this past couple weeks responding to the volcano um, with, with, encouraging people to be generous. And we saw lots of generosity. We saw um, our church community respond in great generosity when there was a need in South uh, Sudan a couple weeks ago, and we were able to bring medicine and we see joy in giving. Um, We, we see at the portable um, youth connect is bringing kids and people from the neighborhood uh, and they're getting to enjoy the space. And so we see generosity bringing people together. We see God's Uh, spirit moving in us and so we see that his kingdom is coming but there's still so much to long for and there's there's um so much that we want to see God do in our neighborhood so we're asking you guys if you go to the next slide there um to engage in this spiritual practice um so acknowledge the injustices that you see around you whether it's in our community or on a much larger scale India not having the same access to medical Um, help that we have here. Celebrate the places where you're seeing communal flourishing, where you're seeing generosity and it's giving you joy like Ashlyn shared in testimony time. When you see God 
when you remember something amazing that God's done for you, like he did for Dada this week uh, with her, <laughs> I, I forget passwords all the time. So that's a miracle for me too. Um, so, you know, when we see God doing things that bring joy, we bring those to him. And then what we're asking us to do, and this is maybe the, the next step for us to share it together and do it communally, is we're asking you to bring those longings that you have for our neighborhood, for the world, uh, to God through art. So we have that art time going on on Monday nights right now. And uh, if you're like me, maybe your schedule just hasn't allowed you to join, but I've heard that they've been a really amazing time. Um, but even if you can't join on Mondays, you can do art at other times in the week. So whatever your medium is, whether it's photography or painting or singing or uh, weaving, um, whatever you like to do that is creative, try and use that as a way of expressing some of those longings that you have to God over the next few weeks. And we're going to do that all together. So whether it's something that you hear in the news that brings you that sense of longing or something you see in your neighborhood, we're going to think about those things that give us longing. And if you go to the next slide, and we're going to have a community event on the weekend of Pentecost. So I believe it's either going to be May 22nd or 23rd, whichever one's the Saturday. And our plan is that we will hope to be able to enjoy a meal together as a community. Of course, that will be depending on COVID at that point. But the big point here will be, we're gonna take our art that we've made, expressing our longings that we have to see God fulfill in our lives and in our neighborhood, and bring that together to God as an offering, as a community, where we can bless each other's art and pray for those longings that we have, for longings for justice, longings for, um, for kids like the kids I shared about this week, having more opportunities in life, um, all those things that are that God has placed on our hearts because he does amazing things when we with his spirit-filled community. And we believe that he can do those things with us. So I hope that you'll join us. We're really excited. Um, I know I'm looking forward to seeing everybody's art. There's a lot of creative people in our church. And for those of you who maybe don't feel as creative um, or feel as comfortable with art, I would encourage you as a stretching point <laughs> to give it a try to try whether it's drawing or writing a poem or singing or whatever it is that's creative for you um, making a video uh, try and find a creative way of expressing those longings to God because um, there's something about when we take the time to express ourselves carefully that allows us to experience the fullness of what we're feeling and hoping for and I think that allows us to bring it to God in a really um, meaningful way. So please join us in that. And we're going to really look forward to in a couple of weeks when we get to share that art together. So I think that um, that's our piece for tonight. I think we're going to go into communion. I'm just going to pray quickly. And then I think we'll um, go to the Lord's table together. Lord, we thank you for how your spirit um, enables us to live justly with our community. We thank you for how you allow communities to flourish. We thank you that there isn't any, um, any problem that is too big or too small for you. And we pray that you would um, strengthen us in faith and wisdom and in your spirit to um, present our longings to you, Lord. We pray that we would not be overwhelmed by the injustice we see, that we would not get stuck in lament, but that we would be able to turn those things to you, remembering the good things that you have done for us and looking forward to the things that you will do in us. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. You have been listening to a sermon podcast from Mosaic Intercultural Church in London, Ontario, Canada. My name is Andrew Karam, and I want to thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about Mosaic and about the work that we do, please check us out online at www.mosaicchurchlondon.com. Thank you.